when you go home. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 21. You'll never be surprised to hear we're here this morning. And um, as I was preparing last night, I had a, a message already prepared, which is always fine before you get to Saturday. But then when I was preparing and going through the Scriptures last night, I felt like a difference of what God wanted me to share, which is scary sometimes, and it's also disappointing, because you think, well, if it was so bad with the world that I propelled on Wednesday, why would you get the man change it? Surely it's not that bad, was it? But sometimes I can if God just, if God just tests your obedience and faith, and you're just okay, I'm not really feeling that so much, but if it happens then is you've only really got a night in the morning to get your head room for you want to share and you've got something else that you can't share. So, I had a word about uh, donkeys and disciples, the great procession. Now, if you get the message and you, we can the story, there's an amazing side to the great procession as he was a king of kings and a lord of lords coming in on the back of a donkey to meet his people. But yeah, we came within a week. The same people that was celebrating him was then going to crucify him. The same people that was rejoicing over him was then going to reject him. The same people that was overflowing with praise and worship was then going to cause him pain. So it was a bit of the triumphant entry that yes, we rejoice, but yeah, we came for his coming. Satan's going to enter Judas. He's going to betray Jesus. And he's going to be led away. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be bled. He's going to be scourged. He's going to be tormented. He's going to have his beard wrapped out. I mean, that sounds really, really sad. I've never tried to pluck out their hair. And some of you would struggle looking, looking out. But it's really sad stuff like that. And he was, became flesh. And he... He felt the pain, and he paid the highest price, as it was mentioned. So there's one side when I read the triumphant entry into the celebration. But another side, I think, I can't if it's coming. Easter weekend's coming. And the pain of the crucifixion and the betrayal, and he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. He never opened his, his mouth. And you're just never sure if it's going on behind the scenes in people's lives, are you? Because while there's this great euphoria behind the scenes, our hell was breaking loose in the spiritual world. If you could get a glimpse into the spiritual world, Satan himself was going to be in Jerusalem. Ah, the demons that was probably available was descending, and so there was great celebration. Here comes the king, Hosanna. It must have been like, if you're brought up in my generation, you're familiar with Ghostbusters, right? It was just the movies, not so much selection them days, but I was just at the scene with the Marshmallow Man, there was a big cloud of darkness descending upon New York, and then who pops the Marshmallow Man, the manifestation of evil, it was like, uh, it was a marshmallow. And in the spirit's eye, where there was a great euphoria, Behind the scenes, there was darkness descending to crucify your Savior. Triumph right next door to a trial. 
And here we are, chapter 21, as Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say the Lord needs them. He will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy. Tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He's humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him. Others cut branches from the trees, spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center. It was just a beautiful song that was sung at the end, and Jesus be the center. And Jesus was at the center of the procession. The people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessing on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this? As we read at the start. And the crowds replied, it's Jesus the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. At the start of this story, Jesus has named order transport. And he says to two disciples, Look, go on a Hidama to another village. You will find a donkey, a donkey's colt, tied up. You've got to go. And if Omdi asks you a question, say, the Lord needs this donkey. And they will respond, go on a ticket. To get in context so you sort of see if it would happen if it was Jesus came to the broch. So say he's coming in, say, dude... Tiger Hill, and he's coming in, he's looking for a mode of transport. It's like Jesus saying, there was nothing special about a donkey apart from it was prophesied. It was a good mode of transport. It's like saying to his two pals, you go on a Hidema to the beach cafe, there'll be a bike tied up, and it's near mine. I want you to get this bike that's tied up, unloose it, take it to me, and if the owner questions, that's my bike. If you tell me my bike, you've got to say the Lord the Lord requires it, and come back in, and then we'll go, and I'll jump on the bike. The donkey. The donkey was tied up. The mode of transport was tied up. Yet Jesus says to his disciples, go, find the donkey, consider us. This. this is a sneak peek into Jesus knowing all things. He didn't put the donkey there, but yet he knew for the disciples would find the donkey. He knew the condition that would be in, i.e., tied up. He can't far it was. He also can't about a conversation that was going to happen between the disciples and the owner of the donkey. And he knew, and he gave the disciples the wisdom to say, if he says this, this is for you to say, the Lord needs it. And I got to thinking, we really was our donkeys before Jesus got ahead of us. We was our tied up in our stuff, yet Jesus knew exactly where you was at, exactly 
If it was tying you up, exactly your circumstance, he knew exactly if it needed to be said for you to come to faith in Jesus. We was all tied up in sin and shame, all tied up in our own mistakes, and yet Jesus came and found us at that point. He knew that we needed to hear, he knew the encouragement, but was tied up, and the message of the gospel came, be free, the Lord needs you. Hallelujah. But Jesus found you, didn't he? Come on. You're not going to work for my money this morning. This is usually easy. Jesus found you. He found you. You might have never been expecting it. You might have been looking for something else. Yet Jesus found you. Yet we say this. In 2002, I found, I found Jesus. I, I found him. And it gives the impression that Jesus was lost. And that I was looking to find this Jesus and I'm thinking, is he under this Bible? Is he far is he? And think, ta-da! I found Jesus. The truth is this. You are lost. You are tied up. You are in a mess. The cords of death entangled you. And Jesus broke through in your life. It doesn't matter if you were brought up a Christian or you were brought up in non-Christian values. There was a point in this opportunity here for you this morning is that you were tangled up, you were hopelessly lost, and Jesus found you. Because Jesus knows exactly far to find. If Jesus knew exactly, you will go, you will find this donkey. This is the circumstance, this will be fit as said. But just tell them the Lord wants him. Just tell them the Lord needs this vehicle. We've all got our different stories. We're always tied up with something. Some was bound by great things. Some was bound by smart things. Some was bound by public disgrace. Some was bound by private hurt. Some was bound by unforgiveness. Some was bound by heroin addiction. But for each one, God says, I need you. I want you. And the message of the gospel of good news is that just like the donkey, and I can't you didn't come here this morning and say you're like a donkey. I'm being kind. I could use the other word for donkey, and you would get really offended, and the religious people would be like, who here? I'm not saying that. I'm saying, like the donkey, we was tied up, and Jesus found us because he knew how to find us. The parable of the lost coin. A lady loses a coin and then in a dark place. She takes a lamp and she does not stop till she finds the coin. The parable of the lost sheep. There's a hundred sheep, 99 are safe, one wanders. The good shepherd leaves the 99 safe sheep and hunts for the one that's lost. Picks up the one that is lost because he knew 
for to find the lost sheep. He knew how to find the lost prized coin. Packs up this lost sheep, nay on the sheep's end strength, but by the strength of the good shepherd. That's a difficult journey carrying a sheep. It's like the coal man carrying the coal. It's a difficult journey to go back to the sheep pen. The parable of the lost son. The father is continually waiting for a moment that the son comes back. Jesus is saying this. He will keep searching for you until he finds you. He's on a searching, finding mission to seek and to save that which was lost. He keeps searching, he keeps searching, looking in difficult places, looking under the heart, looking under the pain. Your parents walked out in you and Jesus saying, I'm still looking for you to find you. To find you in a dark place. To find you out with the sheep pen. To find you whether you've squandered all your inheritance and wild living and Jesus is just looking for a moment you would come to your senses, come back and say, I know I know the place of joy. I know the place of peace. I'm coming back to the Father's house, back to the Father's heart. But every time the Father was finding, looking, searching, come back, come back, come back. This is not just a word for non-Christians to get saved. This is a message for the saved people that have got tied up again in the things of the world. God is on your case. And He's still searching for you and you might have thought, well, I tried the church and I got back. I tried the life of faith and I went back and I got wrapped up in the things of the world again. The voice of heaven is this, and it's so strong in here this morning. I'm coming to find you. The Lord wants you. The Lord needs you. He wants you. For this triumphant procession, God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's unashamed to be attached to you. The donkey was just a sign of peace. If a king rode on in a donkey, it was a sign, a welcoming sign that this king means peace. If he rode on a horse, it means he meant war. This king came on on a donkey because peace. He finds you. And he's never beat you up or slap you in the face or spit on you or reject you. He comes with a message of peace. Peace between you and him. Forgiveness. Shame gone. To be unwrapped. Fit is wrapping you up when the Lord needs you for his good work. If you wrapped yourself up in and you're tied to a lamppost like a bike that's not being used, you're tied to a fence post full of potential, carrying Jesus into cities and you're standing still in the faith when Jesus shouts out, the Lord needs you. Whom can I send? Who will carry me to your neighbors? Who will carry me to your communities? Who will carry me to the nations? Be unloosed. Be set free. 
Today is a new day. The Lord requires you. He wants you to be part of His army, the army of the living God, and He can take donkeys. Knowing exactly where they're at, exactly the condition that the disciples will find them in, exactly the conversations that need to be had. And if he can find a donkey, he can find you. And if he can find an animal he's never met before, he can find somebody that he's died before. He died to bring peace between his creation and the Creator. The most prized possession on this planet is not oil, is not gas, is not gold, it's you. You is what he died for. Not the angels, you. I'm not sure about the animals. My theology changes ever since I got a dog. <laughs> and then I'm like, what I said, no, I didn't die for the dogs. And then you get an animal and think, I'm sure you'll be in heaven, Roxy. You'll certainly will be there. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. I am sure of this. Our Easter story is about Jesus loving you and Him seeking you. Really seeking you. And then just saying that He loves you, demonstrating that He loves you. For God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's the Father, said the Son. The Son chose to be chosen. Here I am saying, me, put on flesh. I'll go. I'll save them. I'll be crucified. He was crucified before the foundations of the world, which God is saying this. Before humanity had a problem, God had a solution. Before Adam and Eve bought an apple and nothing went wrong, and other germs happened, and other curse happened, and other death happened, and other cancers happened, and other epilepsy happened, and other cruel stuff happened, and other murder happened, and other bombs gone off happened. Before all that happened, God says, before you hear a problem, I've already got a solution before the foundations in the world. God's perfect plan, the prophecy is being fulfilled. And the message is, God wants you. And He wants you to be free. And He's an expert at finding people. I'm not finished my sermon. But I'm just going to pray for a moment that we would be free. Free to serve Jesus. Because you can come to church and ne'er be free. You can smile and ne'er be free. You can say you're happy and ne'er be free. Jesus says very clearly, there's a donkey, he's got to be tied up. Tell them, if it ever happens, I need the donkey, because if it's going to happen, I'm going to sit in the donkey, he's part of the story. If Jesus does that for donkeys, he certainly does it for you, he's prized possession. Let's bow our heads. We're going to pray. Jesus, we thank you for the story that you can how to find things and use them for your divine purposes. And it's always to set people free. I pray for each one in here that if they carry the chains that are binding them, we declare freedom in Jesus' name, for anything that is hidden and lurking in dark places, we think of the demonic realm that 
takes us and drags us down, creates footholds that turns to strongholds. We say, be gone in Jesus' name. And we say to every child of the Most High God, be free. Jesus requires you. Be free in Jesus' name. We look to the cross, the place of torment, yet the place of victory. We say and plead the power of the blood of Jesus in this place, the blood of the everlasting covenant that sets people free for sin, for shame, for demonic strongholds. We say, be free, be free, be free in Jesus' name. And I thank you, you are the chain breaker, miracle maker, and this day would be a day of freedom. It would be a day of looseness because the Lord requires you to be free for His plan and His purpose in your life. You will be free. You will be free. You will be free. Are the guilt, are the shame, are the lost time, are the people with hurt, are the unforgiveness towards ourselves, are the unforgiveness towards others. We say that this is a day of salvation, this is a day of forgiveness, this is a day of freedom, for we ask it in the wonderful, mighty, powerful, precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, be free. Amen. Part 2. I couldn't escape the disciples. One minute you're a donkey, the next minute you're a disciple. It's a Christian faith. One minute you're sitting doing nothing, Jesus finds you, He sets you free, and then you're a disciple. If you're set free, you're following Jesus, you are a disciple. You don't need me to qualify you as a disciple. You don't need hands laid on you as a disciple. You follow Him, you are a disciple. Jesus could have went and got the donkey for Himself, right? And I wonder the conversation between the disciples. As they knew, trust Jesus. This is a task He's been given us. Verse 6, the two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to Him and threw the garments over the colt, and He sat on it. And it says in another gospel, it was only until later that they looked back and realized, we was fulfilling prophecy. That's cool. <laughs> but on the journey, they had no idea they were fulfilling prophecy. As they knew is, Jesus told them, go, you got to see a donkey in a cult, a cult, untie them. Yeah, there's got to be this guy that's going to say, I don't know, it's my donkey. And you have to say, the Lord needs us, and he'll agree, and go. I got to thinking, Obedience, evangelism. That God will raise up people, and this is maybe my prophetic part of the message, within His circle of discipleship that will know His voice, be obedient to His voice, even though on the journey they might have been second-guessing, why is Jesus now just going to get us donkey himself? Like, why are we the institute? Ian's getting sent out to, to do this. Surely there's another why. Why does he really need a donkey to go into Jerusalem when he needs to just walk like everybody else? Here's a guy that does miracles, yet we are sent on a mission to get a donkey. But yet the act of faith is us. You don't need to understand anything. You need to be led by the Spirit, led by Jesus. And if he tells you that you have to go somewhere, 
You got to meet a donkey, and you got to untie a donkey, and somebody's got to have a conversation with you, and you're going to have to say to them, look, the Lord needs us, and you have to go back. Just obedience. Obedience to the call, obedience to the Spirit, obedience pertaining to evangelism. The one minute you're a donkey tied up, and the next minute you're bringing the message of freedom into people's lives. And I believe God is going to raise up people that will know the voice of Christ, really know the voice of Christ. And they're going to go to unlikely places and meet unlikely people, but they're going to carry the message of this. The Lord wants you, and the Lord needs you, and He's unwrapped me, and He can unwrap you. Come with us. Come with us. Sometimes we have diluted evangelism in the church to this. I'm not saying this is wrong, but this is how it goes. We'll do an alpha course, invite people in to the alpha course, they'll journey, hopefully get saved. That works. Many people in here would testify to that. We'll do a youth, we'll invite youth, we'll bring them in, we'll take them to the United events at Kings, we'll do meetings. See him come to Jesus. Powerhouse, toddlers, it's the same. Take him to church. Take him in. It works. It's proven to work. But I do believe God's got to change things. And it's people that will know the voice of God and get fed up with programs that just to change the seasons. We've got to go out. And I'm not on about starting something new at church, card a ministry team, and just sending people out. I'm going to, I'm on about evangelism become part of our lifestyles in an event. You're maybe bored with being a Christian and following Jesus because the expectation is that we'll put on events for you to maybe take the people in and they'll maybe respond. Well, being a disciple, we get sent out, and we realize we have a message to share to everybody that we encounter through the week, and it's a message of this. Jesus wants you to be free. Challenge. Fun was the last time that you spoke to somebody about Jesus in a conversation through the week near church. That's a challenge. I'm challenging myself. Fabut, if I was realized we were sent out as disciples to tell people simple message, Jesus loves you, he wants to set you free. If Abdian here, within the time we meet again, which is next Sunday, Friday if you're coming to Good Friday service, if we are to one person with a church service, I'm not asking you to invite people to church. Because as soon as you mention church, people, some people will have tried it and it failed them. Failed them bad. And they're just, they're just the world is going to pit him off. 
But if you tell people about Jesus, there is power in the name of Jesus. And you want the leadership to make it easy for you to invite people in. But I believe Jesus got here a revolution of people that they're going to wait. They're going to go. I'll say it again. They're not going to wait for the right circumstances. They will know that Jesus intimately, and they will go to the highways. They will go to the byways. There will be people of obedience. There will be people of faith. There will be people that will be fired up for the mission. There will be people, and maybe this is their first morning, this morning, they're going to get saved, they're going to get set free, and there'll be a dynamic Holy Spirit anointing upon them and a keenness to share the message of the good news to people out with for was. If ours love people so much and we believed so much in the gospel of good news is the only way to heavenly places for eternity and we can, that the, the seriousness of the message surely is on us to share the message of the good news. Apostle Paul said to Timothy, do the work an evangelist. Iron sharpens iron, right? You could come here and I could say, we're going to have a great event, just invite for you one. If you didn't invite nobody, it's okay, we'll fill a place anyway. You, you should get bored with that. You should get bored with that style. You should be like, no! I'm part of the Jesus army. He set me free. I'm part of the beloved. I'm loved by the beloved. I have the message of good news. Do you want to be challenged? One person. Alice, by the next time we meet next Sunday, challenge you to share the message of Jesus with one person. One. Just, just one. Just one. It could be Omdi. Like if you're really struggling, if your phone goes and it's that, you've been in an accident, people. I've been in an accident? Selling your windows, just, just share it with them. Like you could not really not lose the thing. Actively sharing your faith will make the Jesus following stuff far more appealing to you. Because iron sharpens iron. And I've always felt more sharper as a Jesus follower when I hear the conversations with other people that they believe what I believe. If us, one week, I'm not saying this to double church attendance. I'm saying this for you, and I'm saying this that the gospel of good news is so important, it's worthy to be shared, and God is on a seeking mission to find these people and he could have went and, and tied the donkey himself, but sometimes he'll use his disciples to go and share the message of good news of faith in Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. And I guarantee it will sharpen up your spiritual life and you'll have conversations that you will love. And they might spit in your face and you'll still love it. Because you'll feel sharp. You'll feel as though this is worth it. And they might scoff you, they might batter you. I don't think, I don't think they will. It's not society. Eh? A broker will just... 
I'll just pick a boot you behind your back. <laughs> he'll, be, he'll be a topic of conversation on the DMs. You know, like, okay? But they'll never, they'll never tell you about that. A donkey, a disciple. Message of good news one week. Within one week, we would have given the gospel to this among the people again. Whether they come or whether they dinner, it'll sharpen us up as a fellowship. I guarantee it. Sharpen us up. Disciples, long for that conversations. Who knows for Jesus will be in that moment? I was watching this, um, it's like a Facebook reel. I wouldn't advocate us, right? But I thought it was interesting. It just popped up because I must watch Jesus stuff in Facebook. And so because they're tracking us, it pops up with Jesus stuff. There was this guy, Joe Rogan. Anybody familiar with Joe Rogan? Okay, he does podcasts and that. He's a, he's a man's man. He was there smoking a cigar, right? I'm not advocating smoking cigars, but he was there smoking a cigar, and he was doing an interview with somebody that's a conspiracy theorist. I can't mind his name. And this guy has devoted his life to conspiracy theories, JFK, um, Twin Towers, all that. And he knew a couple of Christian pals. This was Ned Joe Rogan. This is the guy's getting interviewed. I kind of share it on Facebook because there's one swear world, and if I put it up, the lunch mob will be after my one my design, okay? So (laughs) it's just not worth it. So the guy's story was amazing. He had a couple of Christian chums, and he says, right, I'm I'm going out to disprove the life of Jesus in Christianity. He says, this is, I've devoted my life to conspiracy theories. This will just be one. This will be JFK, JFK, Twin Towers, Jesus. So he did all the study, you know, all the documents, and within three weeks, we are the evidence piling up. He says, it was irrefutable that this Jesus was real. He says, and then I was confronted with a reality that I didn't expect. He says, I went to disprove that. I was confronted with a reality. Of, and he was like, Joe, he's like, you came with our buddies. And you came for this means to me to come onto your podcast and share. But I am now thinking about Jesus. And Joe's like, yeah, he, he didn't really mean us though, did he? Like, he's smoking a cigar and he's saying, I suppose it's a good framework for life for you, isn't it? He says, no, no, no. He says, he's a son of God. He's a son of God. And Joe was trying to get him root of the conspiracy theories. He said, look, man, I am telling you that this Jesus is real. And ever since I've known him, I have felt completely different. I get up in the morning with hope. I'm loving people I never thought I would love. Joe's smoking a cigar. There's an F-bomb getting dropped, but I want to tell you something. Jesus sat with sinners. He sat with scumbags. He heard the language. He heard the coarse joking, but yet he loved them because he came to find them. I long for the day that Jesus is spoken about, not just in church on Sunday between half past ten and it's getting late, five past twelve, but Jesus is spoken about with folks smoking cigars, folk with a pint in their hand, just hearing the conversation. What do you think about Jesus then? No waiting for people to come to us. That's easy, Christianity. 
but he had the boldness and the courage to speak about this resurrected King of Kings and the Lord that loves that we declare that we love with people that have no background, that did I can know about art, that I can about Daniel and the Lion's Den, that I think the Bible's just historical mess, uh, difficult stories, but he had the conversation, what do you think of Jesus? I'm challenging myself. How am I sharing my faith as a disciple? I'm maybe too used to being the donkey that gets set free every few weeks with stuff. How does that then work out for me getting sent out as an apostle, as a disciple, to share with so many people I get come in contact with that God wants you, Jesus loves you, He died for you, He needs you. Come along. I'll finish here. I'll get the worship team back up. And you got to do your homework. One soul. One soul. You might leave it to Saturday night. Maybe I will. It's the first week. Uh, but we've got to keep on going. And maybe it'll be for the wife of you at Happy House that cooks me up a lovely Chinese every Saturday night. And maybe I'm thinking somebody might ask me on Sunday morning whether I've shared my faith and I've got to say yes. So maybe when I'm grabbing the bag of Chinese, I'll just have to say, do you realize that Jesus loves you, <laughs> that he wants you, that he rescues you. See you later. I'm off to eat a meal. So <laughs> Jesus sets you free. He needs you. He wants you. He loves you. He died for you. Be loosed. He requires you. But he also requires us as disciples to be serious about this message of Jesus, to be sent out. And you can if it happened, the entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. And I believe this in closing, that if we would do evangelism, personal evangelism well, and sharing the gospel and that conversation as well, will be an uproar. The hell of Jerusalem will be in an uproar. Because something was happening. The Prince of Peace came riding on a donkey, yet it was an uproar. And Jesus follows his discipleship well, does evangelism well. There's an uproar that you need to realize. Do you realize that we have ministering angels sent for heaven to help them that is inheriting salvation, that we have an angel to help us? Do you realize that? That's the Bible says. That's not me saying that. The Bible says that there's ministering angels sent to help them that are inheriting salvation, helping us in daily life, helping us in ministry. It's about time that there's a heavenly uproar that the activity of the angels are suddenly busy because there's a bunch of people praying for people in beaches, a bunch of people praying for people in pubs and clubs, a bunch of people praying for people in hand. That's conversations unlikely places. Far once that type of Jesus Christianity, I'll, I'll go for that. I'll go for that. Sign me up for that. Sign me I could get a bit bored being a minister here just asking people, invite people that just sometimes doesn't work and sometimes does work again. But really exciting to be part of our people that will say, hey, I will go and I will share and the consequences will be a consequence. I guarantee it. There will be an uproar. And there's about time that there was an uproar. <laughs> it's about time there was a spiritual uproar and the prince of darkness didn't get its NY in a place called the Broch. A bunch of drug addicts start getting set free. A bunch of depressed people got, start getting set free. And a bunch of lonely people finding a company of people in the family of faith and saying, the Lord wants you. He wants us to be us and go out with the message of the gospel, a good news. Let's stand.
Let's give him thanks. Jesus, we have already prayed to be free. We trust you answer our prayers. We pray for a stirring up of faith. Nay, be deliberately brash and again to people's faces. That's nay why we are on planet Earth. But to be people of love, compassion, or grace, and carry a message. A message of God coming through man, God Jesus, to be crucified, to find people, to reconcile sinful people, set them free, reconciling them to a holy God, to be messengers of peace. We thank you that the Prince of Peace came and caused an uproar. And God, we pray that an uproar would happen in this tune, that we are sick and tired of people dying young, we're sick and pe- tired of people just living under confusion and fear and being consumed by bad news every day, that you would flood us with the gospel of good news and we might not be preachers, but would simply testify, Christ bought me, He won me, set me free, and He really wants you and He needs you. Give us the tender words of compassion and care for our workmates, for our friends, to have conversations. We do not rely on our own wisdom. For you say, for anybody that lacks wisdom would ask God and He would give without finding fault. Help us to be wise as we live in this world in front of unbelievers that seem to be watching. Help us to share the message of the gospel of good news. And this year would be a year there was set an uproar. A day that we see breakthrough in people's lives. A year that we see lives transformed. A year of hope. A year of love. A year of compassion like no other. A year of the Spirit moving, apprehending people's hearts. That the day before Jesus was just a cuss word. And then you become their Savior. The day before they would have said the Bible is irrelevant yet. In a moment it become the precious word of God. Cause an uproar in our communities. A Jesus uproar. When the people of God say enough is enough, we're sick of the rules, we're sick of the regulations, we're sick of the one-way ticket to hell that people jump on board with. We need revival, God. We need to be revived. That your apostles was known as troublemakers. That Elijah was known as a troublemaker at Israel and then he turned into the troublemaking king and says, I'm not the troublemaker, you are. Help us to hear that prophetic nuance and they'd be scared to cause some trouble for sometimes trouble needs to be made. Would we fight this fight in the spirit realm, Jesus, cause an uproar. Send us out with a message of hope. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Amen. You've been wonderful listeners. When they finish that, we're going to worship Jesus. We'll take up our offerings. Let's do well to be set free and to be sent. In Jesus' name.